you're listening to Pardon the Disruption with your host, Tom Young. Hi, this is Tom Young. Let's go around the room. Hey, this is Bart Gallo. This is TJ Young. This is Rohan Kapoor. Hi, today, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, this term, robotic process automation or RPA. Uh, It's a term that's getting widely used in industry today. And so we want to just demystify the term a little bit so that people understand what it is, what it's not. And because the word is misleading, I think. I've been working in this area for a long time. And when you say robotic process automation, immediately people are thinking physical robots. And it's not that. So, um, you know, it's pretty interesting to see when, when you talk to people about this. So at some level, the more it gets used, the more embarrassed people are to say they don't really understand what it means. And if you're in business, especially in IT or outside of IT, working in back office business processes, if you have any exposure there, you probably see white papers coming out from leading consultancies. They're always titled something like, the robots are coming, or the rise of the robots. And that imagery, I think of Androids, I think of Terminator. We are talking about automated software systems that perform quote-unquote knowledge work, the work that people sitting in call centers, sitting in shared service centers, even sitting in high-cost locations do on their computer. Right. A lot of repetitive manual work processes. It's the advancement of these platforms that can build basic scripts to mimic what people do, the repetitive workflows that we do. And it's transforming business, and that's why it's so important mm-hmm. today. Yeah, I think you gave a, in, in, we do a bunch of meetups. I think one of them you mentioned, uh, it's Excel, Excel macros on steroids. Which Excel I think, macros on steroids. Which I think is a great thing. So it's it's not a smart technology. It's not a self-learning technology. It's just a fantastic way for uh, the mundane, the um you know, month-end reporting, the very manual processes within HR, all of that manual stuff. It's a really great, effective technology to uh, to automate that and free up your time. And I think, um, yeah, a lot of people are probably afraid of it. They're like, oh, if this comes into my organization, it's going to take over my job. No, it's not as sophisticated as you are. <laughs> it's just a very good way to free up your time. Uh, and that's that's the cool thing about it. So uh, the the term AI and uh, machine learning and RPA they're all they're all under a large umbrella of digital uh, um, smart tools that are coming out that are changing the way work gets done. And RPA is it, it, so we use a, a deconstruction with an automation maturity model, and the, at the at the base level you see scripting, and scripting is simply a task automation. I have to do something, and instead of me running five tasks, I simply just hit a button, and it performs that. What RPA is really one more level of sophistication beyond that. So in some ways, you say it's macros on steroids. RPA takes that and orchestrates those tasks across typically multiple platforms. So the term middleware is a term that we is used in software engineering that's it's basically software that sits in between software. So I have one system and another system and the software that connects those two systems is typically what would be called middleware. In workflows, if you work in an office or you work in a call center or a business process, you're performing any of these functions, I have to log into that system, check something, go into another system and log a report. You're human middleware. So we don't have software doing that. And what RPA is doing is, in some cases, very specific cases, 
we're using the RPA to replace some of that human middleware that's out there. Now, the impact on jobs is mixed, and it's not what people think, but it's also not zero either. TJ I, and Bart, I know you guys have done some work in this space, maybe kind of giving an example of, of some of the stuff you have so people have a reference point uh, that's maybe quite relevant to stuff that they do day in, day out. Well, we just had this discussion uh, this past week around finance. Mm -hmm. So the work that we're doing, and I think if you're if you're not involved in this industry, when we say bots, you probably think of, oh, those are the um, obvious uh, troll Twitter bots that I see online, or it's like, you know, speaking in, sen uh, you know, very repetitive sentences, not natural. There's some bot farm out there trying to uh, push out an idea. Think of that technology used in the back office now. Uh, bots that work at machine speed, to perform very repetitive, mundane, high volume workflow. It, it's hugely uh, used in finance now. It's one of the uh, biggest areas that we see it actually deployed. Think about the typical processes that uh, bog down uh, the finance back office around downloading reports, consolidating disparate systems, uh, month-end close activities, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, month-end close, quarter close that can take entire teams uh, up to a week or more to perform to make sure that their numbers are right. And a lot of the work, it's it's if you if you look at the breakdown of the roles in the typical finance organization, it, it's not heavy on the people looking at true analysis, forecasting, financial strategy, where, what are we doing going forward? It's more so data gathering, reconciliation, consolidation, and achieving consensus. And it just doesn't seem like the kind of work that you know creative, uh, highly educated humans should be performing. And when you know we work in this space, we see the biggest areas where RPA is deployed are in finance. Mm. I think the other cool thing about this technology is it overlays over existing system so it's not a it's not a heavy lift you can kind of bring it in and it interacts with your existing applications um to to do some of the stuff that tj said and it's really a case of then the, the big question that we always ask you know prospective clients is wh like what what are you going to do with that free capacity right if we give you the ability to take out all of this manual process from your job what are you going to do with that extra time? And I think that's the yeah. If a person's job is highly from let's use the forty-hour work week as an example. If for forty hours a week, you log into a system, look at a number, go into another system, look at a number, write those two numbers into a third system. If that's all you do, RPA will one hundred percent replace you. Mm -hmm. But people don't really work that way for the most part. Uh, it's a portion of their job to do that. It could be two hours a week. It could be two or three days a week. So think of a salesperson who has to go into a variety of sales systems to log in leads, contacts, uh, bid specs, bid requirements, authorization to ship product and all of that. So a salesperson who you hire ostensibly to go sell products and services they may spend 30, 40, 50% of their time on back office administration, which much of it could be satisfied through an advanced RPA deployment. Now, the limitations of RPA, you know, you still, you're still required to have some structured workflows. And that's the other problem we find in the deployments is that if you don't have a structured workflow, you really need the next level of of advanced automation, which gets into 
uh, a different level of sophistication like autonomics, where you're using environmental conditions to adjust the RPA. Call it, so think of it as dynamic RPA. Very few applications of dynamic RPA. You see it in, in advanced IT operations. You see it in financial services on um, equity and, and bond trading where there's a lot of money and a lot of transactions flowing, you can justify the expense of doing that. But for the most part, when you think of RPA, the way people talk about it in the industry today, and what we today, we're just trying to unpack the term and make it accessible to people. It's simply advanced scripting that is performing sort of those mundane functions that most people are familiar with in their jobs. Right, and, and to the degree that you're not doing dynamic RPA, you're sort of digitizing a portion of a large end-to-end -end workflow and kind of keeping some of those manual uh, taxing processes in place. We sort of get into that racing to a red light um, kind of concept that we've discussed in the past with clients. I think the, net, the, the, the early business cases that were deployed in RPA, because I've been working in this industry for four or five years, was largely focused on cost save. Mm -hmm. Let's go put these RPA scripts or bots in place and we'll save a lot of money. And it's possible to do that in certain situations, but um, I would say the, it's, it's harder to do than you might think. I think the next generation of business case is going to look at two dimensions. And Rohan, you alluded to it earlier, which is as I look at a knowledge worker, and look at the work that they do during a 40-hour week. If I can free up four hours, eight hours, 12 hours, 20 hours of their time, what would they do with that time? And how can they be more valuable to the ecosystem? Now, when people in the trenches start to hear, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose half my work, they think I'm going to lose half my job, half my pay, all those things. But what we really want to challenge people is, is to think more positively about this. What are, at the end of the week, very few people leave a Friday from work with nothing to do. The next, like, they, the whole bunch of things they never get to, right? And, and some things are very important you never get to. They're the things that you can avoid doing today because it's not critical. But over time, lack of attention to doing things becomes very important. So, like, Kieran and I are working on uh, getting a book out the door, and it's one of those things that if you don't do it today, it's not the end of the world. If you don't do it tomorrow, it's not the end of the world. But if you do that for a year, the book is deferred for a year, and that's a big deal. So you have to ask yourself this question. If I freed up 10%, 20%, 30% of my time, what would I do with it? And to the extent you can quantify that value and document that, RPA will allow you to make the justification for the investment to go do that. Now, it's a, it's a harder sell than a hard save. I'm going to save you hard dollars. But I do believe it is important. TJ, you guys did some deployments of several hundred bots. How, many, how much hard cost came out with that? Over the core of everything that we've done. Yeah. Uh, I would say less than 20% of the cases where you'd expect actual cost save uh, in terms of actual re realization. I'd say less than 20% because most of those people, like you said, got back to the work that's not being done. It's really the nice-to-haves, the work that's not really keeping the lights on, 
but it's always something. Oh, it's more transformative. Oh, it's thinking about how we can change our strategy. Oh, it's that you know one you know one report that I need to give to the executive. That, you know insights that he needs, but it's not something that if he doesn't get it, the company is going to go out of business, right? But it's something that it's work that can be done to maybe put the company in a better position in six to 12 months. Right, and you're but. still talking about better work experience, better user experience, you have the data when you need it, there's fewer errors because it's working based on machine-based rules. So even though we might not see uh, that hard cost takeout with every case, there's a lot of these soft benefits that we're seeing mm -hmm. reported that are just improving people's experience of being at work. So let's go back to the term. We, we wanted to just introduce this topic to the people listening so they get a sense of what it is. It often gets reported in the same breath as AI, machine learning, and and uh, you know uh, iconic references to the Terminator and and robots taking over the world. It's not that. It's more akin to mechanization, which would be very similar to like assembly line automation. But instead of a mechanical assembly line, it is knowledge work mechanization. We're me we're mechanizing through software some of the routine work that's being done, and. You know, for, for knowledge workers in the uh, industry today, I would say eight or nine out of 10 people really have nothing to worry about. Those They have an opportunity here to become more valuable to their ecosystem if they can figure out how to embrace and use these tools for what they are. They're just, it's just a tool. Until you get into the machine learning, uh, AI sentient stuff with artificial neural networks, really advanced stuff, which is years out, uh, that's when you start to see some real uh, changes to the ecosystem. But this is really, I would say, it's an incremental or, or transformative productivity tool, but it's not going to wipe out jobs like we thought. Anybody have any parting comments? That's good. All right, well, thanks, everybody. Cool. Hey, thanks for listening to the show today. Pardon the disruption. If you enjoyed our discussion, I'd invite you to head over to our homepage at www.rumjog.com. You can go there and check out our perspectives page and hear more podcast episodes, read some articles. It's some pretty interesting stuff. You can get access also to our digital disruption series. This is a meetup that we do mostly in New York and New Jersey area where we discuss the impact of these technologies on our society and the way we live and work. We do this alongside of industry experts in various fields like crowdsourcing, automation, and blockchain. Uh, the, the, the technologies that are disrupting our world today. Anyway, if you like that, you can also follow us on social media uh, at Twitter on the handle at Rumjog. We look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you.